This is The Oddball Show. Welcome to Season 7. The Oddball Show and the Oddball Foundation is dedicated to mental health advocacy through art. Hey, Gloria Mindock, thank you for joining The Oddball Show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited that you uh, could join. You know, I'm one of your biggest fans. I know um, I've I've been a fan of yours since I first met you over 10, 12 years ago. So thanks for joining. Um, oh, and thanks. We'll talk a little bit about how, how we met and everything, too. But um, I just wanted to discuss, the you know, I know you just put out a brand new book called Ash. Uh, yes, I, I'm very excited. It was published by Glass Liar Press, and they were just wonderful to work with. And um, so it's a dream come true to have a, a, another book by them come out. Now, how many books is that now, Gloria? Uh, six full lengths, three chat books, and one children's book. You wrote a children's book? Yes, with my dad and my sister. It was so much fun. And I have to say, really, my dad wrote most of it. And he'll be 95 in September. And it was so much fun. And Bill... Um, Bill Kell, my other half, he did the illustrations for the book, so it was a family affair, and um, it was really fun. A lot of work, but fun. That's incredible. I knew one person who was putting out a children's book who, um, I feel like it's, well, what was it about? What was it about? Well, it's called Little Brown Mouse, and when I was a little girl and my sister, Kellis, uh, we were told brown mouse stories. And my dad would make them up every night. And when I was Poet Laureate of Somerville, one of my projects was to do uh, stick puppet plays. uh, And I decided to use Little Brown Mouse. And I told my dad about it. And then we all of us were off and running doing the book. (laughs) So it was great and and such wonderful memories uh, it brings up of my childhood and and for my sister, too. That's incredible. Uh, You know, was that... Partially because of your position as a Somerville Poet Laureate that you came up with this idea? Well, the the stick puppet plays, yes. And then the idea came from my father, you know, to do the book. But um, it was really a good experience uh, with the children um, reading. We did four different versions. Um, Karen um, Friedland, Renuka Raghavan, Melissa Silva, and I uh, wrote the stories, made all the puppets and, and performed it in the libraries about four times in, in Somerville and it was fun Wow, that's fantastic So was that in 2008 around that, that time? That was in uh, I was Poet Laureate in 2017 and 18 so it was in 2018 Oh wow, oh, cool um, What were some of the other things you, had, you uh, were able to do as a Poet Laureate? Well, one of my favorite things was we went out on the street uh, in different areas in Somerville and read poetry, and that was really, really fun. And, you know, you get people that walk past you, you get people that look at you like you're nuts, and you get people that look at you and will stop and listen for a while. And so the whole experience was really wonderful. Um, It's in important for me to bring poetry to the community that's so cool um was uh, i know that um i think we should talk about ash a little bit i mean it's your newest book so um tell me like what was the focus of this one is there is there a theme to to ash oh yes definitely <laughs> it's based on bad relationships nothing to do with me but over the years Um, especially working 40 years in in social services as a uh, counselor and clinical director in addictions. And, you know, they would tell me problems um, basically based on bad relationships. And no matter where I go, people always stop me and tell me about the relationships. I don't know, maybe I have sucker written on my forehead, but it doesn't matter no matter where I'm at. So I decided to write about some of the things that they told me, and it needed a twist to it. So I decided to add uh, fire, ash, you know, the phrase you burnt me was uh, really um, 
a, a process for me. I thought, well, that's such a good phrase. I think I'll base everything on that. And, and so um, I did that. So would you say that um, before we get into your book, uh, someone who's writing a poetry book or you know, let's just say a poetry book, there should be some sort of theme to it? Well, I don't think there has to be. Um, you know, I've read poetry books where nothing seems to go together. I've read poetry books where a section might go together, then it changes in the next section. And I also have read poetry books where it's all a theme. Um, mm. It depends. As long as it's good work, um, I feel anything is fine. Well, being part of the independent press scene, do you really like, do you appreciate uh, zine culture and um, the DIY kind of mindset? Well, I love um, reading stuff online. It's great. Um, actually, it's introduced me to many poets I didn't know. Um, and so reading the magazines, it, it's really wonderful. And I'm not against uh, do-it-yourself, so to speak, self-publishing, but there is also a lot of crap out there um, mm. with that, and there's a lot of good work, too. It's, it's very competitive to get a book out. There's so, so many presses. Uh, sometimes you think it's easier because there's so many small presses that do wonderful work, uh, but it's really hard. There's so many writers. Yeah, I, I find it. I I, I want to say that, well, um, I want to say, you know, of course, you know, a thousand thank yous to you because you kind of, um, I, I spoke with you and you kind of gave me the groundwork, the, the you know, the, the kind of the blueprint of how to start Oddball. Uh, there's many times when I've, I've talked to you about publishing and how to lay out a book and everything. You have always uh, been there for me. So I just, you know, 100% appreciate that. What kind of advice would you give to someone who's just starting um, a small press uh, or wants to put out a book themselves? Um, well, first I'll tackle the small press. Go for it. Learn as you go and ask um, people about how to do some of the things. Um, John Lombardo was a great help to me. Mark Pavlik from Hanging, Loop, Hanging Loose Press um, I asked plenty of questions in the beginning because I just decided I was going, going to do this. Um, so it's always nice to have a mentor or someone to answer a few questions for you as you go along. And uh, they were a big, big help to me. And then also trial and error. You try things, oh, that didn't work. Um, and so you try again. And Bill Kell, my partner, um, he was very good at it, and he helped me a lot. Um, and now I'm doing things on the computer I never thought I'd do. Um, and as far as uh, publishing your own book, uh, um, I would say, you know, layout's very important in the way it looks, and get help on that if you need it. Um, I've seen many um, beautiful self-published books, and I've seen some that didn't look so good, uh, it didn't look like they knew what they were doing, and they probably needed more time. But I'm for anybody getting their work out there, however they get it out there. But it needs to be quality work. Um, but there's room for everybody, and everybody has to start out somewhere, and they learn as they get better and better. Uh, you know, I look back at some of the um, early things, too, that um, – uh, with layout that I did, and 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 now I feel like I grew in that area. I got I got to say, um, you are as close to a professional poet as I know. That oh, sounds thank you. <laughs> really funny for me to say that. I I wanted to say that you know, in in my opinion, I think that you're one of the more professional poets that I know of. Um, is there such thing as a professional poet? Well, I am not into labels. I know that sounds probably silly. Um, I'm professional in the way that I would say um, I handle handle my work and my craft. Um, I work very hard at it. 
And I make sure that I'm very happy with it before I send it out. But I don't label myself. Um, I just label myself as a poet, like everybody else. Um, I've never been one for labeling uh, anybody. Uh, I like just one general sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I mean, we look at many poets that we might call big wigs, so to speak. And that's okay, but um, really they're a poet like everybody else. Um, you know, they've had maybe more books, more opportunities because they are so good, and, and that's fine. Um, but I like to think of us all the same chuggling along basically to to get our work heard and our books published. Do you think that there is a um, – a, like a uh, – like a professional comp- competition or a competitiveness to publishing? Well, you know, I've seen both, but I surround myself in the press with really nice people, and we all are very supportive of each other. And I think really the community around here in Somerville, Cambridge, the Boston area, everybody, everybody I've met um, and go to their readings and that, they've been nothing but great and very supportive very professional and uh, warming. Um, I've also seen the other side, um, really not here. I won't say where, but it was another community kind of, and it was more cutthroat and people weren't that supportive. Um, And just kind of like um, here I am type attitude, which I tend to stay away from. So I think, you know, like any profession, there's always somebody that's full of themselves, egotistical uh, jerks, but there's so many nice people. And I know since running the press and just my whole background, I've been publishing in some capacity since 82. Most people I've met have been really, really wonderful. And I can't complain. I am so grateful. And I have such wonderful relationships uh, with writers from all over the world. And there's nothing more special than that. Um, there'll always probably be some people that feel competitive and I got to get this, I got to get that, I got to step on this person to get that, I got to, you know, kiss up to this person to get that. I mean, I don't care about that stuff. I care about the people around me and that I know and I will do anything to help them and help them grow and, and they do the same for me. It's uh, it's uh, it's beautiful when you have a mindset like that. Not everyone does, and it's uh, it's really great when you meet someone uh, like you, Gloria, who has that kind of mindset for sure about um, you know the community over um, the self. I guess um, when it comes to uh, poetry and the career of a poet, what would you say your style of poetry is? Um, I'm definitely definitely lyrical. Um, you know, my influences um, definitely the writers in Eastern Europe. Uh, they make me tick when I read their work. They make make me want to write. Um, I just I just love it. There is nothing like it. Um, so that's what I would say. But I also can write experimental. Um, I write m- many serious poems. I write some silly, mindless stuff, um, but mostly serious. Um, I just have, I just have fun, but it, but I think it's a really, really important to read a lot because that helps stimulate your writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before we get into Ash, cause I want you to read a couple poems from Ash. What does Servena Barva mean exactly? Uh, it means red color in Czech. Initially, I wanted it to be red blood in Czech, and I thought that was too gory, maybe. And so I decided um, red color, and it's political to me, maybe not to anybody else. But uh, so red kind of symbolizes blood and politics for me. And the name I chose uh, it because of Václav Havel. Havel was the first president of the Czech Republic from 1993 to 2003. He's a hero to me. 
Uh, he did so much in the Czech Republic, and it ended uh, communism ended there peacefully. Um, so I think he had a lot to do with that. He was a dissident, um, just a wonderful, wonderful writer. His plays are so weird. Um, I just love them. He takes so many risks, and I admire him, and that's why the press came out with that name. And, um, you know, I, I'm very much into uh, freedom and writing about atrocities, and so I use my press, too, as a platform to get the word out and to, um, I guess, make people aware of what's going on in the world. One thing I was going to ask you about Serena Barva is what type of authors do you, do you have a, is there a theme to your, 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 um, your press? Um, do you have a kind of a, a style that you like to go for that, you know, there, there's certain elements that, you know, attract you to the writing um, or is it a certain subject matter is it a feel like what gets us, what gets someone the Servena Barva seal of approval? The, what gets someone to publish with Servena Barva? Well, first of all, the quality of work that it's written well, and it makes me tick when I read it. Um, and I would say I am open to all types of work. I never close the door to different styles. Um, I mean, granted, I publish a lot of translations because some of the writing is just so beautiful and wonderful, but I also publish a lot of American writers, too. So I would say, um, I guess all I, all I can really say is that I have to feel it. It has to be really good, organized, a clean manuscript, um, you know, many manuscripts sound like formula writing sometimes that presses will get, or and I don't like that. I like different. Uh, you can tell when somebody just got out, out of a, a program, a writing program sometimes, because they haven't developed their voice yet. Um, but really, uh, getting back to your question, I'm open to everything as long as it's done well. Mm. Uh, we're we're actually doing our first annual, our first ever uh, Oddball Magazine um, uh, chapbook contest. <laughs> yeah. So maybe once we come down to those finalists, we can send them over to you. You can take a look at them and see, uh, you know, what your 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 thought is on them to see if they they pass the Gloria Servina Barba seal of approval. Oh, sure. I'll, I'll be glad to look at them. I think Oddball is doing wonderful things, and you cover so much. And um, I'm so proud of you and everybody that's involved with Oddball. It's it's so nice to see it take off. Well, thanks, Chloe. And I, I really, uh, a thousand thank yous to Chad Parento. I honestly think that Chad Parento is the driving force behind Oddball, um, you know, the editorial side of of things um he really he has a great eye for poetry um and we are willing to be weird you know we're really willing to be weird and i and love that's, it <laughs> that's you know it's it's something that is i don't know if we fit a formula at oddball and i think i don't think i've ever wanted to fit a formula well, I'm happy to hear that. So, yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure that that we've maintained our our independentness as much as possible, and our DIY kind of, you know, zine style as much as possible. I mean, if, if you think about it, you know, building your own website is is you know or, you know basically maintaining your own website is kind of the equivalent of of doing a zine at back in the, you know, in the nineties, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, it but is. <laughs> actually, uh, glory. The other thing we're going to do is we are going to do our first, uh, uh, zine, actual, uh, zine this year too. Oh, that's wonderful. So, um, I think that, you know, going back, I know that we kind of touched on Ash, but Ash is getting really good, good reviews. Um, why do you think it's getting such good reviews this 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 time? 
Oh, gosh. Um, that's a hard question to answer, um, but I'm very happy that it's been getting good reviews. I have three more coming out this fall, so I'm really excited about that. Three um, more all what? I know is I can all I know is I write what I write and how and what people say about it is you know up to them. But um, I'm just so thrilled and so happy. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, um, I would love for you to read a book, uh, a poem from Ash that you would like to read, and then can we talk about it and kind of what you what you know brought you to write that that um, and just kind of analyze it a little bit. Okay, um, let's see. I will read. This is from the last section of the book, and I'm I, I I'm very very uh, inspired by serial killers, true crime. I read all that stuff, watch the movies, documentaries, and this poem was inspired by that. It's called R slash N, and the first part of the poem is the man. And the second part of the poem is the woman. R liked tea in the afternoon before he went fishing. Sometimes the crisp air mortified him. He would sit and build a fire. One by one, he took the worms and burnt them. He was grateful for such beauty. N thought she could allure him to stay home in fishnet stockings. It never worked. She fell into this routine daily. The police later found her dead, not much left on top of a woodpile with fishnet stockings on the ground. I guess R was paying attention. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. That's that's a cool poem. No, oh, thanks. That's a cool poem. Very cool. A story, you know, there's a there's a a plot and a twist. I love it. Yeah, I had fun writing the last section. It was probably my favorite to write about. So are you you're a true crime uh uh buff? Oh, always. Ever since I was a little girl, actually. Um I'm just fascinated uh in what happens to the human brain. I mean how somebody could uh, do some of the things that they do. It's like, oh my God. Um, I just love it all. I love forensic shows. I'm just glued to the TV with those. Um, so it, it, it's great. Does it does it inform your writing a little bit? Well, it did. Ex- this this poem that I just read, it, it kind of uh, stimulates my, my writing in some ways. Um, mainly for this book. I don't really write like murder killer stories or poems, but a little bit of it came out in this book and probably because of bad relationships, you know, the phrase sometimes, Oh, I could kill him. (laughs) Not literally, of course. And, um, you know, so I think lots of things, um, come into play, um, seeing that stuff. And we also in my hometown, when I was small, had a murder in, uh, the guy was charged with chopping up three women in Starve Rock State, State Park in St. Louis Canyon. On March 14, 1960, three women went hiking in Chicago. They supposedly went missing until two days later their bodies were discovered in a cave. Number one suspect was Manchester Wedger, who was sentenced to life imprisonment. So a lot of the people in the town um, said he didn't do it, and some said it was the mafia in Chicago, and... I remember all of this, and that was probably my first um, exposure. And I, my parents tried to protect me because I mm-hmm. think I was around 10 when it happened. I'm not sure how old I was. It's been a, a long time. But he just got released, actually, last year. Wow. He got released. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's sad if he didn't do it and he spent all that time in prison. And I tend to believe he didn't do it. Um you know, my dad taught him. Um, I knew him. Everybody in town knew him, of course. And he had a wife and a baby when he got arrested. Um, it was really sad. You know, wow. Very, very sad. And, um, wow. Yeah. So now here he is, what, 80 or something, whatever. And, mm. uh, you know, um, uh, but there was a book written about it, actually, that was really 
fascinating. And I read that and there were many facts and things I didn't know, of course, uh, being so young. And of course, now that I'm an old lady, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> reading it. So. Well, do you often write story poems or was this a special occasion? I have some story poems, I guess. Um, I would say I started writing flash fiction to to solve that problem a little bit. Um, and that's been really fun. And um, it, it's new to me. And uh, Renuka and Karen have been so helpful to me with that. And, and um, I think maybe mm, five years ago, I wrote three in a row. And then I didn't, you know, till just recently. Um, so it's been really um, great, a, a learning experience. Let me ask you, um, that poem you wrote, how long would you say you took to write that poem? Ten minutes. Just kind of like a, just a one and done kind of thing? Yes, uh, I edited it, um, but... Um, you put the bulk out of it at, at, at once, at one time. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then just cleaned it up. That's how I write though. Um, I write my poems pretty quickly and then edit many. I throw out many. I keep, um, I usually sit on a poem for a day or two after I write it and then go back to it with fresh eyes. You, you throw out poems. Oh yes. For this book, actually, um, I threw out 20 poems. Yeah, but do you actually like throw out poems, like trash them? or? Oh, yeah. Just... Shred them and they're gone. Really? I, I could never work on them again. They, they, some of them weren't that, uh, they didn't appeal to me and weren't that great. And uh, for me, not what I wanted. Uh, I don't save lines. I don't save words like some people do. It's bye-bye. Would you say Ash has a mood? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's divided into four sections and, um, you know, there's buried graves, uh, <laughs> you know, different sections. And it definitely has a mood to it. It's it's dark and there's some humor, of course, and like you said, twists. You know, I think one interesting thing about uh, the last poem um, was the explanation that came with it. Um you know, I, I I think that's the most important, the, the most amazing thing about the writing is there's always a story behind it, right? There's always a story behind it. There's something that provoked that 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 poem. Will you read a, read us another poem? Oh sure, I'm going to switch um, switch from murder. Um, All right, we're wait. switching from murder. <laughs> we're going somewhere else. Murder that man. Yeah. Is it more Ash though? Pardon. Is this more of Ash? Yes. Mm -hmm. This is okay. a different right. section. Awesome. And, and when I was a, a little girl, my great aunt told me, you know, basically not to put uh, this saint in the frame that she gave me with little jewels around it, not to put it in the drawer ever. And I have a Day of the Dead altar, and it's still out, and I still have it, and I've had it since I was seven years old. The Day of the Dead is a Mexican holiday where families welcome back the souls of their deceased relatives for a brief reunion. And so, um, I'll read that, I'll read that. We, this is called The Crosses. We have broken crosses in our drawer. Why are they still here? It is a sin to throw out the symbol of Christ. We would fall from grace. The sacraments received on Sunday would be for nothing. So here they are, buried by papers, screws, ink pens, pennies, a few rubber bands. How sad, Christ defending himself from junk. Where is his heart? Take the crosses out. Let him breathe. Put the pieces in every room, out in the open, each one giving testimony to your life. Interesting imagery. Um, would, would you say that you're a spiritual person? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, I was raised Catholic. Um, um, I believe in God, Jesus, uh, the saints, and in angels. 
Um, I don't go to church except once in a while. When I visit my dad, I usually go, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm a mixture, I would say. But there's certain parts of Catholicism that I just love, and I have kept that. Do you ever use uh, saints and, like, biblical, uh, not allegory, not allegory, biblical references in your poetry? No, I will write, um, you know, basically mostly about saints and angels, mostly angels. I, I, I have a chapbook I wrote to the angels in that was published, and um, angels to me are very important. I, I feel like they're around us. That's a beautiful concept uh, to think, you know, uh, have you had experiences with like angels or saints or anything like that? Um, no, I mean, I've never seen an angel, um, but there are many people that are angels. Yeah. Um, isn't it like a spirit though? It's a spirit. It's a spiritual feeling of someone who's an angel. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I, be- I do believe in saints actually. Pope John the 23rd is a saint. Um, and he was, um, you know, he's my um, relative, and so I grew up getting holy water all the time. And Pope John XXIII was the head of the Catholic Church and sovereign of the Vatican City State from October 1958 until his death in 1963. I have a rosary on my Day of the Dead altar that he blessed. I, I had a cousin in the Vatican. Um, so all those things are really important to me. And, and, and it means a lot that I have that. He, he was a wonderful person. Um, they called him the good pope. Um, and on my dad's side, um, there's many priests, and um, they are all good priests. Um, I know. Um, do, you, um, do you think that there's, um, you know, I know it's a tough, tough subject, but is, it, is, there, is, there, um, is there like a, a, is it, how can I say it? Is there, are there people who go overboard with religion, do you think? Oh, gee, that is a heavy, heavy subject because I don't like to, I don't like to tell people they're wrong. If I Good feel point. they're overboard, who am I to say what's well, I guess, right and well, wrong? Let me explain my, my, my reasoning for this. In Wally Lamb's book, I Know This Much To Be True. Have you ever read that book? No. Okay. I Know This Much To Be True. His brother has schizophrenia in the book. And he's in the library and he starts, it's kind of graphic, but he starts, he's, he's, he, it's in the nineties. He's directly responding to the Iraq war thing. He has something to do with it. And that, you know, it's like, he's going to cut his hand off to get into heaven or something like that. Cause you know, if, whatever, if you have a sin or whatever, uh, anyway, it's just some people, I know a lot of people can get really literal with the Bible and get really super, super like, you know, to the to the letter of every of every of every word you know oh sure i you know when i first moved out here i lived in an apartment and there were um religious people below me um religious people across from me and i don't mean that to sound horrible calling them religious people but i just (laughs) want to make a point and every time i walked out the door hi is everything decent and in order today (laughs) <laughs> and I'd look at them and I'd go, yes. And then I'd zoom down the steps as fast as I could. And then another time when I lived in um, normal Illinois, um, there were some very religious people that lived across from my apartment. And every morning at 5 o'clock, they were outside chanting. And I don't know what they were saying because at that hour um, – I wasn't too awake because I'm a night owl, and uh, and plus we used to sneak and rehearse in the theater late when we weren't supposed to. <laughs> so, but I just remember them doing that, and I'm like, oh God. So, I don't care what a person believes in, but don't preach it to me. You know, mm-hmm. you can ask me if I'm interested. If I say no, leave me alone. Um, that's yeah. how I feel. But I respect everybody's beliefs. Um, and I will always be respectful, but it may not be for me. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. And you can communicate that in your writing, too, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I usually do. don't, you know, write about, uh, I, I mean, I write about what I want religious-wise, and um, but it's not really what I call religious. You know, like with what I just read, that's probably about as far as I go. Yeah. You know, but the angels, um, you know, that's a little that's a little bit different. And usually I just talk to them in my poetry. That's a beautiful, beautiful idea. Um, you know, Rilke, or, Rilke, Rilke. <laughs> oh, Rilke, Rilke was on some next level spiritual writing. Um, he was beautiful. He, uh, Rilke is incredible. Um, I have, uh, one, one letters to a young poet I've read. Mm-hmm. Read uh, the angel dialogues. The Angel Dialogues. Mm-hmm. It's it's brilliant. I I did an opera based on that in Oppenheimer and sang in it. And the script, which was adapted, of course, by from their work, and that it was just um, absolutely uh, stunning and great to sing. It was so much fun. Um, I would love for you to read one more poem and and discuss it if that's all right. Okay. Um, okay. Let me see here. Um, All right, so we're going to hear one more poem from Gloria. Okay, this is called Protected, and it's from the first section of the book. So real quick, did you read those out of order, like section-wise? Yes. So which one is – so this is from the first section or the last section? Uh, This is from the first section. And what was the second one that you read? Um – I have to look. <laughs> but if you were to read this book, by the way, um, uh, listeners of the Audible Show, Ash is available how, Gloria? Uh, from glassliarpress.com. Or you could order it from me also. Um, and it's available at thelostbookshelf.com. Okay. So Ash, which is a, which you've been hearing from for the last hour, is... From is you can get at the lost bookshelf.com and glass liar press.com. Um, and if you uh, this will be in uh, if you want to if you have any questions about that, you can reach out to Gloria on social media on Facebook, you can reach out to the oddball show. Uh, or, or whatever <laughs> connects you with Gloria, but Gloria, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Um, that's fine. Facebook or my emails editor at com. Probably easier on Facebook. <laughs> so reach out to Gloria on Facebook. If you want a copy of Ash, which is so far, I, I've heard two poems and is critically acclaimed. So definitely pick it up. Okay. Gloria, the third poem. Okay. This is called Protected. Inside the house was his life, protected by a roof. By the time the firemen got there, it was gone. He sifts through what remains, eyes sunk, hands asleep, brain idle for hours. The man surfaces his heart. He carries it away delicately. It still beats, and he breathes, asking, How much sorrow can this heart take? There is never an answer. Wow. How much can this heart take? There is never an answer. It's it's beautiful. What I think I like the most about that is the idea of sorrow in a poem Um, and knowing what your threshold is, you know, Mm -hmm. and knowing that there is, I mean, I guess I'm getting too deep into this, but there's an indomitable spirit, right? You know, like we're always, I don't, I mean, I I feel like we have, I mean, maybe if I, I like to think that I have a very resilient, this to myself that if you pull if you put more shit on me you know i can rise above it you know what i mean mm-hmm. um you know the more shit you throw at me the more i can you know i can get out of it you know that's 
I'm res- I'm resilient in that aspect. Um, I've gone through a lot. I've gone through a lot, and I keep on moving forward. You know, and um, I think a lot of people ask that question when it comes to sorrow, stress, pain. How much can they actually take before they break? You know, mm-hmm. and I am in the kind of the realm that like you can take it till you can't take it anymore. If that makes sense. Right. Yes. You know, well, look at the people it actually in Afghanistan right now, Syria. I mean, they lost everything. Yeah. And and look at, they're still going and how much can they take? Um, you know, they're still breathing. Um, you know, and they look around, everything has changed so much. There's so many atrocities and, you know, how much, how much can they take? How much can we take? Um, you know, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of sadness in the world. Yeah. And I think there is a lot of sadness in the world, but there is one thing that I think unifies a lot of people and that is writing and the craft of writing. Um, it's a solo sport for sure, but, just the idea that we have that, that outlet for some people and that, you know, maybe what you wrote glow, you know, someone's going to identify with and that might help them with a hard time. That's kind of a cool, cool thing to think, you know, and that's, that's where the angels come in, you know? Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, what is something that you are passionate about or that you advocate about? Well, definitely what I just mentioned, I'm very passionate about, writing about the atrocities and being a voice for people who have no voice. That is probably my main person purpose in life. I feel like it's my calling. Uh, sometimes I just want to shake people and say, wake up. Um, a lot of people don't care about what's going on because it doesn't affect them. But, you know, you look at it, it affects human beings. And how can you not care Um People are being slaughtered, innocent people. Look at Rwanda. Nobody uh, believed it or wanted to deal with it. And the UN is good for, you know, I'll say baloney. You know, they, they turned a blind eye. The world turned a blind eye to that genocide. Um, So that's just one example. Um, So I am very passionate about being a voice If there was a nonprofit that you would recommend that is doing the work that you support, what would it be? Well, I do um, like Penn. I think they bring a lot of awareness, and I'm a member of Penn America. What's Penn America? Um, they advocate for freedom for a lot of writers, and that you know sometimes that are imprisoned. Um, you know, maybe some. Uh, times uh, in a country like Belarus right now, which is having a lot of problems, they'll um, they'll send things out about that, and you know sometimes the writers it affects um, and what we can do to help. Um, they're very good, and I don't belong to Amnesty International, but I know they do a lot of good work, um, and I hear many things, you know about. Um, Ukraine, you know, through uh, my friend Zved, who's uh, from Bulgaria. Um, there's so many, he was threatened basically with the same poison that that Russian, I can't think of his name, that Russian man um, was given. Um, so there's so much going on that uh, we need awareness on. And some organizations, you know, you have to be careful out there too what you belong to. And I, I hope that they're good, and, and I think they are. Um, I also I also learn a lot of information from my authors, such as Zvet, what's going on in some of those countries. Uh, where yeah, yeah, that was what I was going to ask you. Uh, the writing that you, um, the the writing that Servina Bar, a lot of the published, uh, a lot of the writing that you like is from from writers who are really dealing with uh, some of these these uh, things that are happening in, in uh, overseas uh, in Ukraine and things like that. 
Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, I and learn a lot. What, what from is that them. like? What What is it like uh, to, from their perspective, um, you know, like in their writing, is it, is it different than like an, uh, another writer, like, you know, who hasn't been dealing with a war-torn, you know, poverty-stricken pain almost their whole life? Oh, yeah. Yes, it's different. Um, it actually sometimes is heartbreaking, you know, to read or what they're going through, but it's so powerful. Uh, it's written so beautifully as if something like that can be beautiful, um, you know, dead bodies and slaughter. I mean, how can that be beautiful? But the way they write about it, it, it just tugs at you. And um, how can you, how can you not like try to help or how can you not say something? Um, so I have learned so much from them and I like witness accounts and, that's what I base my writing on is mostly witness accounts uh, from people. Uh, research is good, uh, of course, but uh, sometimes I'll listen even to witness accounts on the Internet if I can't talk to people personally about it. Um, you know, so that's how I get my information. But, yeah, the, the writing is just, uh, it's beautiful in a sad way. All right. And here is a segment. It's called, Have You Heard Any Good News Lately? <laughs> Can I say no? <laughs> <laughs> Give me some. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I, have, I was asking you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All I hear well, is horrible things lately. And, that, and that's been the segment, Have You Heard Good News Lately? <laughs> God, how horrible. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it, it's tough. Yeah, it's very hard to find good news uh, out there. Uh, but this, hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully there are some. Um, I'm sure there's. You know, someone's having dinner, you know, having a nice cup of coffee with someone right now, having a wonderful, lovely conversation, and they're probably all talking about bad stuff. But they're still having that warm conversation together. Yeah, can we call very it doom and gloom? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like when we get together, right, Glow? Like any, anyone gets together, we get together. What do we talk about? The news. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bad stuff, doom and gloom. Yeah, usually, usually. That's, so. that's pretty sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, one more, one more, um, one more, um, one more segment. Um, what is, uh, what is something you're an expert on? <laughs> I'm laughing on that one. <laughs> oh, jeez. I mean, really? Um, well, I don't, you know, I don't like to label myself as an expert on anything. Again, I'm not into labels, so I'll just say I'm passionate. Um, I'm passionate about helping people and, and writing and my friends um, who are really wonderful. And I'm passionate about people being kind to one another. And um, so I would say I'm an expert at having good people in my life. There you go. That, that's what you're an expert on. Will's an expert on just being a great person. Thanks for everything, Will. Seriously. Um, well, thank you. This was really fun. Jagged Thought, 386. Logic is no friend of mine. Hurricane Henri was not a friend to me. While he did not lay a finger, not one, not two, or three, I still managed to lose electricity. Logic. Lady, I'm tired. I'm so tired of playing dogs, sitting and fetching. Oh, arithmetic, you failed me. I never saw a two and three equaling five until I read Orwell and TikToked my way out of a beautiful mind. Go ask Alice. What a piece of shit tutorial and anonymous portrayal of an addict. How deplorable, really never was because the propaganda was oh so good it was the real drug in my time on this earth did i think that i would sink to the lowest degree of emptiness but i did and to this day i wear those scars on my wrist green with envy what does that mean it means you're sick with wanting to be my dog be my james dean be my Marilyn, be my frankenstein maybe not logic was never a friend of mine but then you really never have been either And that has been The Oddball Show. I want to thank Lori Mindock for being on the show. 
Uh, make sure to get her brand new book, Ash, available from Glass Liar Press. You will not be disappointed. Rave reviews all over for this book. I want to thank Michael Brooker for the voiceovers um, and the awesome uh, music and uh, that lays over all the poems and just being flexible with me and my ideas, and I really appreciate it. As for Oddball Foundation, we had a very successful November 7th. Um, November 7th, we had an amazing event with Worcester Railers against the Florida Everblades. Um, I want to thank Mike McCarthy from the Worcester Railers for being so generous to the Oddball Foundation and really making the Michael, uh, Michael Cherry Night super special for all of us. Um, we are extremely grateful, and thank you so much. I want to let everyone know that uh, we are currently looking for volunteers and interns for the January season. Uh, to, we are looking for publicity, publishing, social media, grant writing, and marketing interns. So if you feel like you could be a, a, uh, someone who would jive well with the mission and you like what we do, check us out. Um, just go to oddballmagazine.com and contact and reach out to us. Um, stay tuned. Oddball Show is just heating up for Season 7. We have a lot more in store. Um, on the magazine front, uh, we are looking for, still looking for uh, submissions for ASL Poetry. And also in the new year, look out for the contest that we've been running all last year for a uh, chapbook contest, uh, just another Oddball Magazine publishing chapbook contest. We're going to be picking one of our chapbook uh, submissions and we are going to publish them. Maybe I should write this shit down because there's so much stuff. You know, this week was my 400th Jagged Thought and that we as a magazine have eclipsed 400,000 views and then some and 173,000 viewers. Um, this year we've almost made 100,000 uh, viewership and we're looking towards, we're at 90,000 right now and we're hoping for 100,000 by the end of the year. Uh, it's been an incredible ride. Uh, Chad Parento, you've been a rock, an amazing associate editor, can't do it without you. And I just want to shout out all of the columnists and especially Liza Zayas of the Underground Garden and all of the people who have been incredible throughout the years with Oddball Magazine. We can't do it without you. So I really just appreciate it. Um, and a shout out to Bruce Wise. We always really appreciate what, what you uh, deliver. Um, James Van Loy, Janet Cormier, you're all very much appreciated. Uh, Secrets of Skinny People, I uh, can't... Uh, she, she, uh, who laughs last. All those are really great. Um, all of the contributors, um, you know, there's so many I, I can name. But uh, also, if you want, you can check out our newsletter. Uh, we do it every Thursday, and I think that's it. So till then, you know, be well. Um, you know, enjoy oddballmagazine.com. Enjoy the season. Enjoy this podcast. If you like what you do, leave a review. Um, it's the only way we'll get better as a, you know, the only way I'll get better as a podcast host. And the only way um, we'll know if you like what you do, like what you like, what we are doing. Anyway, peace be with you and also with you and you and you and you. See you next time. This is Jason Wright. This has been the Oddball Show. We're out of here. Happy holidays. See you soon.